guys. Welcome back. Welcome back to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And it's December. It's officially December. It's fucking snowing. I know. I walked outside the other day, and usually I don't take Bixby out in the morning. That's like Carson's thing. And I did because he was sleeping in, and I saw snow, and I was so depressed. (laughs) Immediately depressed. Well, my birthday falls on a Saturday this year. That's good. It will be the first time in a long time. I feel like mine always falls on, like, a Wednesday or or a Tuesday for some reason. Yeah, I'm always like, fuck. Have to work, but by the time you guys hear this, it will be a week later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So what's been going on? So I wanted to tell you this funny thing that happened at work the other day. So we're crazy with COVID testing again. It's just insane. And in the midst of all of it, this lady runs in like frantic. She's like, "Help! Like my my rings are stuck on my finger." And I was like, "Okay." So like she's frantic freaking the fuck out she's like, i'm supposed to be in my sister's wedding right now and and my can't get my rings off my finger did she drink too much red wine i don't i don't know what the situation was i didn't ask too much about it i was like basically just trying to get them off mm-hmm. and i look at her hand and i'm like i'm gonna have to cut them off and she was like okay and i was like this is gonna kill me and she was like why and i was like look the exact same wedding ring <gasps> and band that I had on. Wait, you had to cut her wedding ring off? Yeah. No. Yeah, it was the exact same wedding ring and band. Actually, she had um. Oh my god. A different actual band, but the same engagement ring. Was it cut in a way where she can yeah. get it fixed? Okay. I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna cut it right on the back so they can just like you know put it back together. And she was like, <laughs> they God bless weld you. It for you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe just like have them add a little bit more metal because like it's obviously too small. She's like, I know. Oh my god. And I had to chop both of them off and pry it open with like um, needle nose pliers. <gasps> <laughs> and her husband's on the phone and he's like just make sure none of the stones fall out Aww. and I was like this is killing me she's like I know but you have to do it. <laughs> oh my god poor thing it was horrible <laughs> oh that's awful yeah like well, what a coincidence it was the same exact ring though did she make it on time to her sister's wedding yeah she did okay good. yeah good. <laughs> what are the odds? Like, your wedding rings need to be chopped off the day of your sister's wedding. I know, wedding. and she's like, and I'm out of town. I don't know what I would have done if I, I would have had to go to the emergency room. I was like, yeah, you would have not made it to the wedding. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. I know. Poor thing. Crazy. What else is going on? Nothing really, I don't think. Uh, slowly anticipating probably a big snowstorm that's heading my way while Timo's away <laughs> this year. Let's <laughs> bring back much- what happened last year. <laughs> I don't know if I ever talked about it on the podcast. I think you did, because we had a snow day souffle. Okay, oh yeah, probably that episode, but just a little refresher for everyone. Uh, Timo goes on big ski trips every year with his guy friends, and last year, actually it's happened two, three years in a row now, but last mm-hmm. year was real bad. During <laughs> during the time when we talked about how much it was snowing and how much snow we were getting. And it kept falling. Over and over and over, days and days in a row, and we literally had some mourners listening, like, listening, reaching out to us, being like, it's really snowing that much? For that long, we're like, well, we're, like, we, yes. we're backed up on episodes for you guys, but yes. But literally, <laughs> it was like, at one point, there was thirty a 33-inch snowfall. Yeah. And during that time, Timo was on his ski trip. So guess <laughs> who was shoveling the driveway every day by herself? Cursing and, like, <laughs> yelling at the wind. Yeah. 
full-blown. Oh my god, my hair was like icicles, not even hair. Oh my god. Well, I'm anticipating it again because I asked him last year, can you make it more towards like March when we might not get hit with a snowstorm like that? It's like, no. He originally said yes, and then apparently his friends couldn't make it work, Mm. and they're going around the same time again. (laughs) <laughs> Can't wait. Hopefully yeah. there's no snowstorm. Last year was literally so depressing. We couldn't even leave our oh, house. God, it was bad. It was real bad. Horrible. Anyway. But, you want to get into our into coffee? Into our coffee, Speaking yes. of snow, you want to tell them what our coffee is We're already called? getting in the feels. Yeah. <laughs> we are drinking candy cane flavored coffee. Dude, it is pretty good. It is. And there's a little Santa's workshop thing on the front of the bag. Yeah. We thought that was the brand at first, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> I went to Marshall's and it looked like Santa's workshop threw up everywhere. It was literally like you were in the North Pole. So I'm like, why don't I just grab a coffee while I'm here? Um, but yeah, it, it smells like candy canes. It tastes like candy canes. I think they have a whole, uh, line. Like Christmas line? Yeah, because it says our, our Santa's workshop coffees are packed with more than enough flavor to get you into the holiday spirit. So oh. I'm, I'm, probably I'm like assuming a gingerbread. they have gingerbread, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. But it, there's not really a company on here. It just says it is distributed by Great Lakes Coffee Roasters Incorporated, and they're out of Buffalo, New York. So Yeah. We'll post a picture if you see it at your Target or Target. Marshalls or TJ Maxx. Just grab it for the holiday season. I think it's pretty good. It is pretty delicious. What is it, a medium roast? It is a medium roast, and it was ground. Yeah. Pre-ground. I think this one is immediately, I thought that it was a little bit like... Not watered down, but, like, the flavor wasn't very, yeah, like, there. I agree. Uh, I did like how it smelled from the bag yeah. more than how it tastes. Right, same. I feel like it wasn't, like, it's not, like, a bold coffee. It's like, not full-bodied. Yeah. It tastes <gasps> almost like a light roast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, I don't know. It definitely is a little, yeah, more watered down tasting. Yeah. And I put the correct amount, so. Yeah. It's just, yeah, not as full-bodied, I guess. Yeah, I like it, though. So we, I actually bought some white mocha Starbucks creamer <laughs> and put it in, and it ta- it kind of tastes like Starbucks peppermint mocha. A little Except bit. not as, not as. Not as peppermint. Strong. Yeah, yeah. And not as, like, chocolatey. Yeah. But, um. Maybe if we put, like, a. Like an actual mocha instead of the white mocha. Yeah, or. A little more, like, the white mocha, but maybe added a little chocolate to it or yeah. something. Like, syrup or something. Yeah. I, get, I wouldn't be able to drink this every day, obviously. It's candy cane. Um, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not Buddy the fucking elf, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd probably give this one. You're not Santa's helper. <laughs> I'm not Papa Elf. I'd probably give it a six. <laughs> Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Did we do the thing? I should have said it first, so or at the same time, so you know, oh, I should like, have counted I'm not down. copying, because I literally was going to say a six as I should well. have counted down. From now on, we'll count down. Okay, because I was like, this isn't, I wouldn't say a five, because I like it more, like, I like it more than last week's coffee. Yeah, me too. Or two weeks ago, I'm sorry, where we rated it a five. Yeah. And I like it more than I don't like it. But I wouldn't say it's a seven, so I'm like, oh, yeah. it's a six. It's not these like the ones that we pick up, um, you know, in the grocery store, like at you know TJ Maxx or whatever. Like 
I'm not expecting much at all. No. Like, it's not like our amazing companies that have sent so many, like, flavors. Yeah, and we're roast. definitely part of the roasters and the yeah. coffee companies. That's now we're like, stuff. we were thinking, like, God damn it, we're used to, like, organic roasts <laughs> and, like, all this stuff. Not and now the artificial like, bullshit. And now we're like, well, now we can't drink normal coffee anymore. <laughs> we're officially coffee snobs. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> it was bound to happen at some point. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yes, so let's so, get into it. So, so grab, grab your coffee. Have a morning with us. All right, so today's case is covering the case of Faith Hedgepeth. A little bit of background about Faith. She was born Faith Danielle Hedgepeth. She was born September 26, 1992 in Warren County, North Carolina. She was a member of the Hollowa Saponi Native American tribe and raised in Hollister and Warrington, North Carolina. Her dad is Roland Hedgepath, and her mom is Connie Hedgepath. Her parents divorced within the year she was born, and she was raised by her mom and her older sister. Aw, they must have been really close. Yeah. Faith was the fourth sibling. She had two brothers, Caleb and Chadwick, and one sister, Rolanda, who I'm assuming is the one that helped raise her. Yeah. She was described as friendly and caring, And in high school, she was an honor student, a cheerleader, in extracurricular organizations, and they said she did, like, tons of extracurricular activities. She earned a Gates Millennium Scholarship to attend college. Amazing. Yeah, and that scholarship also has to do with her Native American background, which I think is, like, so, so nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. For college, she went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, also known as UNC, and she wanted to be the first in her family to graduate college, so she really had, like, a drive to do that. She was in undergrad studies and planned to eventually become a pediatrician or a teacher. She did well for her first two years there. And took the spring 2012 semester off and stayed in the Chapel Hill area over the summer. And then in her third year is when this event took place. And I think a lot, I think that's a good thing to do. If you're not exactly sure what you want to get into, like, take a semester off. Yeah, I took two years off of college to just work. Yeah. And to save up money to buy a house. And that's what I did. And I bought my house and then I went back to school. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So she lived off campus in an apartment um, in August, and the apartment complex was Hawthorne at the View Complex between Chapel Hill and Durham. We'll put a map up, too, of Mm -hmm. all this stuff. Um, She lived in this apartment with Karina Rosario, who was her friend since freshman year. Remember, she's going into her third year. Eric Takoy Jones, who was Karina's boyfriend, had lived in the apartment at some point as well. There was a domestic violence issue with Rosario and Jones's relationship. He moved out when Rosario ended it, but tried to break into the apartment two more times in early July of 2012. That's scary as fuck. Right? I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Like, that's terrifying. I would be terrified to have somebody, like, out for me and know where I live. Yeah. Faith drove Rosario to court to get a protective order, so she was, like, a really supportive friend. Allegedly, Jones held resentment towards Faith for doing this. Also allegedly, the police later found out that Eric said that he was going to kill Rosario's roommate, which was Faith, if Rosario would not get back together with him. So he was basically, like, deferring and putting it on her. Well, because in his mind, he was probably like, 
okay, she's encouraging her not to be with me. Right. And, like, supporting her not being with me and helping keep her away from me and all that. Right, like, I'm gonna kill her yeah. if she, yeah, if we don't get back together. Yeah. So I that's, think that's really fucked up and really scary. I mean, Faith was a good friend for being there, but that's also not only terrifying for her friend to go through that, but yeah. for her. To be put in that yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. So, Faith was going to move to another apartment once her financial aid restarted for the fall semester. So, now we're on to Thursday, September 6th, 2012. At 5.45 p.m., Faith attended a rush event for Alpha Pi Omega, which was the sorority that she wanted to join. A little bit about that sorority, it was the oldest historically American Indian sorority. It was founded on September 4th, or September 1st of 1994 at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, by four Native women. That is so cool. I love that. Oh, I love how involved she was with, with her, her heritage. Yeah. yeah. That's I beautiful. love that too. 7.15 p.m. She left to work on a paper that she was writing about her tribe's history. Oh my god. Yeah. that's. She just seemed like super into learning about her history. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So at 8 p.m., she went to Davis Library at the university with Karina Rosario to study. Remember, that's her roommate. 8.30 to 9 p.m., she texted her dad about wanting to join the sorority. Aww. Yeah, and I read somewhere, you know, after the fact, he was like, she always knew the right, exact right times to text me. Aww. He was like, she would text me and ask how I was doing and, like, was very encouraging. And this was the last time he heard from his daughter. Faith briefly left the library alone and then returned to Rosario around 11.30 p.m. They left the library and got back to their apartment around midnight. God bless those people that would stay into the library (laughs) until, like, 1 a.m. My friends used to do it. I'm not kidding. My one roommate, Kelsey, would literally stay there so late and come back at, like, midnight. I'm like, how the fuck... Oh, my God. Or, like, my friends Jackie and Christina. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. I'm like, remember, you will never catch me in the library. I remember whenever I used to go visit Casey at college. Yeah. He was, he was in the architecture, like, the architect program. So, he yeah. was pulling, like, late nights. And I'd be in there hanging out with him. He'd be working, and I'd be watching American Horror Story or mm-hmm. something. And then, all of a sudden, it'd be, like, 1 in the morning. He's like, okay, we can go now. Yeah. I'm like, I know. <gasps> oh I could never. Yeah. And, I mean, on top of that, then continuing your night out after. What? <laughs> I would be like, all right, time to turn in. Yeah. So, okay, they got back to the apartment around midnight. So, now this is into the early morning of September 7th, 2012. All right, so around 12.30 a.m., Faith and Rosario left to go to the Thrill, which was a nightclub in downtown Chapel Hill. You could be under 21 to go there. Basically, anyone under 21 would go there and dance. Interesting thought. <laughs> yes. I used to do that when I was younger. Really? What was yes. the club called? <laughs> there was a club in New York City called Pasha that I always really? used to go to. I guess I've just never heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. And this place, sad to say it to any of you people in North Carolina listening, has since closed down. The thrill is no more thrill. <laughs> yeah. The thrill is gone. So they got to the thrill around 12.40 a.m. 2.06 a.m., security footage shows Faith and Rosario leaving the club, and Rosario later told police they left because her stomach was bothering her. By 3 o'clock a.m., the girls were back at their apartment, 
and the woman that lived below them said she heard, quote, three thumping noises which she described as similar to a heavy bag being dropped or furniture being overturned shortly afterward. That was a quote from Wikipedia. Weird. Yeah, and it's like, they were back by then, Mm -hmm. clearly. So, was that them just, like, stomping around, coming in? Right, because I feel like whenever my roommates above me would come home and, like... And, like, throwing stuff to the floor. I'd be like, what the fuck are they doing up there? Yeah, yeah. So, it could be something Or was something happening by then. Yeah. Who knows? So, Faith's Facebook page was accessed around this time as well. Remember, this is around 3 o'clock. By 3.40 a.m., a text was sent from Faith's phone to Brandon Edwards, which was a former boyfriend of hers... The text said, quote, Hey, B, can you come over here, please? Rosario needs you more. Aha. Uh-huh. You know. Please let her know you care. Three minutes later, another text was sent saying, quote, unquote, than. And this is believed to be a correction for the aha uh-huh in the previous text. So for, I'm going to reread it with the than yeah. to make mm-hmm. sense. So it says, Hey, B, can you come over here, please? Rosario needs you more than you know. Please let her know you care. What does that even mean? I don't know. And there's like weird punk. It's punctuated weird. Yeah. It's like short little sentences all broken up. We'll post. We'll post a screenshot of it so you guys yeah. can see. But I don't know. It's just weird. I don't. Like, what does even that even mean? Weirder though. Yeah. Yeah. So this was the last activity that came from her phone with like her texting someone. And phone records show that Rosario was trying to call Edwards around the same time, but he never answered. She also called Jordan McCrary, which was a university soccer player that she knew. So this is where I think it gets a little weirder. Yeah. Around 4.16 a.m., Brandon texted back asking who sent the text. So he was clearly like, "Some that like, wasn't how you text. Yeah, exactly. Why did you text that? Yeah, And, I mean, who knows? It wasn't really mentioned if they were actually drinking underage. Right. And it could have. Which is potential. And that's what I was just going to say. Like, they could have been drinking, but if they weren't, that would even be weirder. Yeah. And clearly he was like, like you said, something triggered him where he was like, this isn't her texting me. Like, who sent this? Why? Maybe it was like the B. Maybe he was like, you you never call me B. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Really strange. Yeah, I don't know. So, around 4.25 a.m., Rosario, which again was Faith's roommate, left and got in McCrary, which is the soccer player's car. At this time, Rosario said she thought that Faith was sleeping in her room, and Rosario left the apartment door unlocked when she left. <sighs> again, which, maybe she was drunk, but like, I don't know. But you're leave <sighs> Like, not to play the blame game at all, especially if this girl had nothing to do with what comes next. Yeah. But how do you leave your sleeping friend, and if you are drunk, how do you leave your drunk sleeping friend in an apartment and leave the door unlocked? Right. Unless she, for some reason, didn't have a key to get back in and she was leaving it unlocked so she could get back in. Yeah. But how wouldn't you have a key to your apartment? I don't know. That part just doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah. So around 4.30 a.m., Rosario and McCrary got to the home of a friend on West Longview Street in Chapel Hill, and she then spent the night there. So, around 10.30 a.m., so fast forward a while, Rosario tried to find a ride home from that friend's house that was away from her apartment. 
She tried calling Faith Hedgepeth, but she didn't answer. Then she called Marisol Rangel, who was also one of her friends, and she ended up picking her up and took her back to her apartment. Sometime before 11 a.m., they got to the apartment, went in, and called Faith's name. There was no response, so they went into her room. In the 911 call, though, Karina Rosario says it was actually her bedroom. So, we'll talk about that in a second. Like, there's a little discrepancy there with articles, but I'm assuming whatever was said on the 911 call is fact. Right. Like, with with placement of where things are. Where she was. Yeah, yeah. So, Rosario found Faith's body. She was bloody and wrapped up in a quilt and partially nude. Oh, my God. We're going to insert the 911 call here. And, by the way, this little clip that we're going to insert here is from the Murder Squad's uh, podcast website. So, we'll insert or we'll attach the um, resources for that and everything, but we just wanted to let you know that that's where this recording actually came from because it was actually pretty hard to find. Yeah. 11.01 a.m. 44 seconds, September 7, 2012. Zara 911, where is your emergency? Hi, um, I just like to see my friend in my friend. She's just like, she's unconscious. Okay, what's your address, ma'am? I live at home, after this view. Um, give me, give me the address. I just, I just moved here. I'm about to get it. Oh my god. It's um five six three nine Old Chapel Hill Road in Durham. Okay, repeat it to me so. Repeat it to me so I make sure I've got it correct. Okay. Five six three nine Old Chapel Hill Road. It's a private. Okay, what's it? Sixteen oh two. Sixteen oh two. Yes. What's the phone number you're calling from? Two zero one three two one eight zero seven five. Okay, you say your friend is unconscious. He's unconscious. I just walked in the apartment and there's like there's blood everywhere. Okay, listen to okay, listen to me. Listen to me. Somebody's already sending me ambulance. Okay, I need to get some information from you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna tell you how to help her. Okay. 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 How how old is your How old is she? She's nineteen. Okay. I don't know. I don't okay. want to touch her, but listen to me. Is is she breathing? I don't know. You need to check and see. Is she breathing? or not. 
Okay. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Listen to me. Go up. The paramedics are on their way. I want you to stay on the line. I'm going to tell you what to do next, all right? Are you right by her now? Yes. Okay. Listen carefully. Listen. She's not moving. Okay. Can you, will you touch her arm? Tell me she, how does she feel? She's not moving. Okay, ma'am. We need to find out if we can help her or not. You've got to, you know, do as I'm asking so we can help her. All right? Okay. If you can, lay her flat on her back. Remove any pillow. Lay her flat on her back. Flat on her back. Remove any pillow. Okay. Okay. Kneel next to her. Look at her mouth for food or vomit. Okay. Kneel next to her. Look in her mouth for food or vomit. Tell me something. Listen to me. Listen to me. What is your name? Okay. We've got we've got first responders. 
responders on the way, there's a fire truck coming, there's a medic coming, and the sheriff's department's on the way to you. Okay? You just stay on the phone with me until somebody gets there with you. All right? Okay. Okay, Karina. How old are you, Karina? I'm 20. You're 20? Okay, hon. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. You just stay on the I phone with the me. the police. You see the police? Yes. Okay. You let me know when they get in there with you, and then you can talk to them, all okay. right? I just don't want you to be alone right now. Okay. Okay. You just stay on the phone with me. Okay. Are they in there with you? They coming in? Yes. Thank you. Okay, honey. All right. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more later about the 911 call because honestly, it doesn't make any sense, but we'll get to that a little bit later when we talk about the evidence. So now we're on to the investigation. At first, the a court order was obtained to seal all records of the investigation. Mm-hmm. Evidence of semen and male DNA was found at the crime scene and was collected. Thank you. God, it was collected. Yeah, yeah, for real, though. And then a DNA profile was then developed by the police. An autopsy determined that Faith had died from blunt force trauma to the head, likely an empty rum bottle that was found in the apartment. That is so fucked up. And so <sighs> brutal and aggressive. Yeah. And like, it, ha- <sighs> it just, none of this makes any sense. No. So this is a, a whole Wikipedia quote, so I'm just going to read it word for word here. Quote, within days, the university's board of trustees, the local crime stoppers chapter, the Haloa Saponi tribe, and the apartment complex had offered a combined $29,000 in reward money for information leading to an arrest. Police hoped the reward money would lead to a quick resolution of the case as their resources are limited. In the 2008 murder of Eve Carson, who at the time was a UNC um, Chapel Hill's undergraduate student body president, a $25,000 reward had led to the killer's arrest. Mm. Two months later, the office of Governor Bev Perdue added another $10,000 to the reward for Hedge Pet's killer. Wow. So it was at a total of $40,000. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible that they were just pushing... They, like, doing whatever they could to just find And that's a good this. thought on the police, you know, for them to kind of, you know, refer back to Eve Carson's case. Like, it helps find her killer. Let's try it with, mm-hmm. you know. Why not faith. try everything? Right. Yeah. So, police considered Jones, who was Rosario's abusive ex-boyfriend, as a person of interest from the beginning. So, remember, that's the one. There was domestic issues, and he mm-hmm. had, like, apparently had a, a vendetta against her now. So, he had a history of violence and a threat against Faith, which is what we talked about earlier, which is what made the police lean in his direction. They found that the night before the murder, around 6 p.m., he also sent a strange text to an acquaintance. This This part is so weird. weird. So, he asked for forgiveness, quote, for what I am about to do. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Why would you text somebody that? And did the friend, like, be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And then, if I'm sorry, if someone were to text me that, and then the next day... A murder happens? Yeah, I'd be like, 
okay, I'm calling the police. I know, yeah. He also posted the same thing on his Twitter account. So he clearly wanted people to know Mm -hmm. that, like, he was thinking this way, at least. Or, like, but what's for what I'm about to do? How did he explain what he was about to do? Right, like, what, he went out to drink that night? Is that what he said? Or, like, something, you know, I don't know. How do you explain that after somebody gets murdered? Yeah, that that you're in connection with and that you threatened. Yeah. Three days later, he also changed his banner on Facebook, and it said, quote, Dear Lord, forgive me for all of my sins and the sins I may commit today. Protect me from the girls who don't deserve me and the ones who wish me dead today. And this is after she was murdered. Like, that is such a cry for, like, attention. Like, he wants people to see that. And how could you... (sighs) Whether you did something or not, how could you post something like that on your page after someone was murdered that you're in connection with? Like, don't you think that would raise red flags to anybody that knew both of you? (laughs) You know? And even just as a... Like, like, compassion. Yeah. Like, being a a fucking human being, how do you... How do you post something like that? I don't know. Ugh. So... They obtained a DNA sample from him, and he did not match the DNA found at the apartment, so police then excluded him as a suspect. Hmm. I don't know if I would have been so quick to rule out, but right. hey, that's just me. Yeah. Brandon Edwards, remember this is Faith's ex-boyfriend that she texted, and other men that were at the thrill that night of September 6th to 7th also had their DNA tested. So they were on the ball with that. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, all of these men also came back as no match. There were continuous motions by the Daily Tar Heel, which is a UNC Chapel Hill student newspaper, along with other media sources, um like, basically continually tried to get a lift on the record seal. Yeah. And a profile was developed by the FBI about the man involved in Faith's murder. This was released to the public, although records remain sealed from them. And September 2013, a year after Faith was murdered, Chapel Hill Police formally requested the assistance from the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation... July 2014, the records were finally unsealed for people in the public to see. September 2014, this is almost two years after Faith's murder, the autopsy report was released. That's a long time for her family to not... I hope they got to see it. I hope they did, too. Because that's a long time for them not to know that... I feel like you need that closure. Yeah. Hopefully they did, and it just... It just wasn't It wasn't to the public. Yeah. Yeah. The confirmed cause of death was blunt force trauma, and there were signs of a struggle. She had cuts, bruises, and blood under her fingernails. Ugh. Yeah. And there was also speculation of, um, like, sexual assault happening, but I didn't find anything. Yeah, I didn't look either. at the actual autopsy report, so I didn't find it if that was confirmed or not. Yeah. None of the articles said if that was confirmed. Yeah. There was... Criticism of handling of the case by Chapel Hill Police throughout the investigation. Hmm. I had read a couple things about certain places not being investigated that should have been, Mm. and neighbors came forward in the apartment saying they were never even questioned at all about what they heard that night, stuff like that. Mm. Apparently, I read in one article as well that 
uh, Faith's car wasn't searched right away for evidence, and it was left unlocked the first night. Oh, my night. God. Take it with a grain of salt. This that's, is allegedly. <laughs> right, but that's a big. But that would be a big piece. boo-boo on yeah. that part. Ooh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, like I said, criticism of hmm. the Chapel Hill Police Department. So, moving on to evidence, the evidence that was released included Rosario's 911 call to police and two pieces of evidence that helped police narrow down the killer. The 911 call, we're going to kind of get into that now. (laughs) News and Observer reporter Tom Gasparoli has covered this case and says, quote, to me, the whole call reeks of unusual. Mm -hmm. Analysis of this call, the caller's priority is is her own alibi. That's what he's... Yeah, this is like a... The analyst is thinking. So, a, de- a group of detectives, I think, analyzed the call, and they were like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? And, like... This is their conclusion. So, basically, <laughs> by saying the caller's priority is her own alibi, like, from the second she walked in the door, and I'm not saying anything, you know, this is just fact, she said, you know, somebody must have been in here. Mm-hmm. What happened? Somebody must have been in here. And she repeated it multiple times. Things are moved around. Somebody must have been in here. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, like this when I left. establishing that. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. If you're in... If you see somebody dead, h- how is that the first thing that comes to your mind? Like, how are you thinking of that? Right. Or, like, wanting to get that point, point across, right? Yeah. And as we've said in other episodes, like, we're just, first of all, telling an analyzation right now that someone else came up with and we're going to kind of put our own thoughts into it but everyone does respond differently in a situation like this so yeah. who knows if this is like literally just how the girl is processing everything right but it been. it's just it's just a odd. little weird yeah it's just odd for police to who listen to these daily for them to pick it apart like this it's just i don't know it's strange yeah So the caller also does not ask for help for the victim this was another thing the analyst said Maybe she knew she was beyond help. Yeah. I don't know. Typically when you hear 911 calls, help, my my friend, she's bleeding. Help, right. I need help for her. Well, I think it's also strange that that was her roommate and her friend since freshman year. She never mentions her by name. Yeah. She, she never says, Faith. Da-da-da-da-da. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, Faith. Oh my God. Like, she never says that. She's just like, like my friend is hurt. My friend has. My friend is unconscious. Yeah. Almost like she knew she wasn't going to respond. To her. Or at that point, she was already, like, disassociating her from being her friend, maybe. Yeah. Like, trying to, like, like, distance, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Another part that I actually forgot to put in here um, was talking about how she didn't want to go up and touch Faith's body. She said, I can't, I can't do it. And that was basically the police who, you know, analyzed this said that it's, like, a natural you know, you don't want to touch a dead body. Mm -hmm. So did she already know that she was dead? Mm. I mean, she might have. I mean... Maybe just from looking at her. Maybe just from looking at her, like, devil's advocate. Yeah. Maybe she could tell she was gone Right, without even having that close to her. Right. Yeah. And unnecessary negatives was another thing they brought up. Why did she repeat, quote-unquote, I don't know what happened so many times? Yeah. And the part where she said, it looks like somebody must have been in here, and the dispatcher's like, okay, and she's like, it really does. Yeah. That's just weird like re- to me. Like, reiterating it. Like, why do you need to get that point across so much that, okay, somebody was in there, obviously, somebody somebody did this, you yeah. know? 
Another thing that I thought that was really strange, Kelsey, I brought this up to you before, is towards the end of the call, the dispatcher says, like, I'm going to stay on the phone with you till mm. police get there so you're not alone. Yeah. She had Marisol mm-hmm. with her that brought her back to the apartment. At no point do you hear her mention, someone's with me. Like, mm-hmm. even at that point, she could have been like, oh, my friend's here with me. Right. At no point do you hear the other her person. in the background. Yeah. Or, like, like you wouldn't even know someone else was there if you didn't know someone else dropped her off. Right. And there's a lot of, like, theories about that. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But, because I, I don't think they're valid theories. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, it's weird that she didn't even just, mention it. Yeah, just... I mean, I thought that was strange. And maybe in that moment, her brain wasn't even thinking that way. Like, that somebody else who knows? Right. Like, to be like, oh, my friend's with me. Or someone else is here with me. Maybe she was just in tunnel vision with what was Happen. happening right. in front of her. And it could be. But just, just strange. strange. Yeah. So the other piece of evidence that led the police to uh, the killer was a note that was left at the scene. So there was a note left near Faith's body saying, quote, I'm not stupid, bitch. Jealous. So fucking weird. Yeah. This was written on a piece, like a ripped off piece of a takeout bag with a ballpoint pen. The bag is said to have come from Time Out, which was a restaurant nearby, and it was the only one that was open between the time Faith and Rosario left Thrill and went back to the apartment. So they probably stopped there on the way home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Peggy Walla, who was a handwriting analysis, she analyzed this note and said that there was no blood on the the note at all, which suggested that it was not written near the crime scene or it was written before the crime happened. This person may have also used the non-dominant hand to disguise their handwriting because it was pretty sloppy. Yeah, I was thinking that too, though, because it, I was going to say it looks so shaky. Mm-hmm. That also could have been if it was written after the crime and the person literally just murdered someone, they might right. have been like freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. But I still don't understand. I feel like it happened before, though, because, like, if it was after the crime, this person had to have had blood on them somewhere. Right. You know? I don't know. Right. And if it, and if it was done beforehand, though. Mm hmm. How did they take the time to write a note before... Before killing her. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Or maybe it was written in, like, left in another room. And he went... And brought in after. Yeah. 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 Because if there's no blood splatter on it, clearly it wasn't near the the crime of the scene. Right. Yeah. Or scene of the crime. Yeah. I don't know. Gasparoli says that the investigators never comment on this note, and he makes a theory that the note may have been written in a jumbled order, so it wasn't supposed to read the way that it was written out. He said the note could have been meant to say, quote, I'm not jealous, stupid bitch, Mm -hmm. which would make more sense. Mm -hmm. He said that this, because the words aren't written in a straight line or, like, in any particular order, they're kind of all over the place, and specifically the word stupid is off to the right-hand side. It almost looks like an afterthought or, like, another person wrote it in. Why? Like, what does that even mean? I know. And that's the other theory of the note was, too, like, was it just a distraction from the actual crime to right. make th- people believe that something was going on. Or you know? did something happen where she came home, 
got in a fight with someone over something, not saying it was her roommate, right. anyone, anyone, anyone could have showed up at the apartment, got in a fight with them, and then cr- crime of passion or heat of the, like, heat of the moment, whatever, this person kills her mm-hmm. and, and is like, I'm not jealous, stupid bitch. Like, and the whole leaves. thing was over them being jealous or something and then leaves. Yeah. yeah. Or a random person that she met that night at the club, like... I don't know. She they took it as her being jealous over something and yeah. then snapped. Like who the fuck knows? That note is just so strange. It's so weird, and I feel like it's almost just a distractor. I yeah, know. like a red herring. Yeah, but why? Why those words? I don't know. To maybe make it look like it was a crime of passion to cover it up. I don't know. But then they would have to know there's people in her life that would potentially she'd be, be jealous. Yeah. yeah, calling jealous for some reason. Yeah. Like, know. what if she lived alone? What if it's a random person and she lived alone? That that wouldn't even make sense. Yeah. I don't know. That's just weird. Yeah. So, the other piece of evidence was the voicemail that was said to have been a butt dial from uh, Faith's phone. So, a friend of Hedgepeth received a voicemail the night of Hedgepeth's murder. This voicemail was said to be between four people speaking, allegedly, um, it was said to have been Hedgepath, two males, and a female voice. It was three minutes long, and there was music in the background. It was time-stamped at 1.23 a.m., which is when she would have been at the Thrill that night, at mm-hmm. the nightclub. Um, actually, the friend initially deleted this voicemail because she thought it was just a, a butt dial. Yeah, she said that Faith was... Notorious. Yeah. <laughs> so she deleted it yeah. and they were able to get it back from the phone company. Wow. But most of the voicemail is inaudible. So Crime Watch Daily hired an expert named Arlo West to decipher this. West had years of experience in deciphering butt dial voicemails. I don't know how you do that for years, but um, <laughs> that's what he did. And here's what he deciphered from the recording. And we're not going to play it because literally it just sounds like... Garble and... I I don't know how he got these words. I feel like after a while of listening to something over and over... You hear what you want to hear. Your mind starts to hear things. It's like white noise. Like when you listen to white noise, you start... I I start hearing songs sometimes. Yeah, and like (laughs) I had read that the FBI... Couldn't Couldn't even clear it up enough to make sense of it. Like, they couldn't even clear the audio. But Arlo West could. (laughs) So, he says, this is what happened. Female number one. Ow, my head. Ow, help me. Get off of me. Female number two. Do it. Male number one. I think she's dying. Do it anyhow. Female number two. Fuck you. I'm pissed. I'm going to kick your face, bitch. I figured out that bullshit. You liar. You intentionally lied. Don't be a pussy. Put up a fight. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at that being said, but there is not one word of that (laughs) in the voicemail. Yeah. I don't know. One of the other male voices said, I can't believe you really did it, Rosie. Female number two, go help Eric. And a side note, just remember the name Eric was Rosario's ex-boyfriend, and Karina Rosario was her roommate. So, she, her family, um, Face family said that she was sometimes called Rosie. Honestly, if Arlo West went into this not knowing a single thing about what happened, maybe. There's no way to prove that, though. Yeah, and on top of that... 
how would this all be happening in a club? Right. Where someone's just kicking her in the head. Right. And then they move her to the apartment from the club because the phone timestamp shows they were at the club at this time when this butt dial happened. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about his theory on that in a little bit. But um, I just don't... I don't know. If that's truly what was deciphered and backed up by a bunch of FBI and, you know, it was a little clear, yeah, that would have been a fucking insane thing to have been caught on a butt dial. He must have the ears of an angel because... For real, though. I don't... I don't... I don't make anything out of that audio. The only thing I did hear in the audio that sounded Is a song? Weird. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, yeah. But I talked about that too later. Um, The only thing I do hear is her... You can clearly hear her saying, ow, my head. But she could have, like, bumped her head off something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You can... We'll attach the um, video of him deciphering it, and it shows, like, the little audio plus his words of what he deciphered above it. Uh-huh. I don't know. If it if truly that's what it is and, like, he's an expert on it, like, that's fucking terrifying that that was caught on yeah. audio. Agreed. If that actually was caught on audio, that's fucking awful. And either way, it's awful because something... Some of her last moments were clearly caught on audio that night. Yeah. But I just don't see how all of that was legible, like, legible and deciphered. Yeah, from the sound clip that was taken. Yeah. So this audio timestamp did not match up with the suspected time of death of Hedgepath. Arlo West said, quote, I found with the particular brand of phones Faith and Yuna had, both had issues with time stamping and voicemails being sent incorrectly at different times. The towers transmitting the cell phone signals were glitchy at best. I believe to a high degree of forensic audio certainty that the timestamp is incorrect. Which also could be true, but... Um, yeah, and just for reference, Yuna was the person that received the call. I don't think we mentioned her her name earlier. Yeah. So the music in the background was deciphered by Wes to be T-Pain's song Booty Work, (laughs) which is fucking awful to be mentioning, like, during this horrific story. It is But just, I'm laughing because him saying Booty Booty Work work. was the funniest thing. He was so uncomfortable. Like, he was like, it was, he was trying to be so serious. He was T-Pain's song, Booty Booty work. Work. (laughs) <laughs> I just, I'm, like, hearing the song in my head right now. Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's just not appropriate for Definitely the situation not. that we're talking about. So, the audio matched that song, but the person singing it was not singing the correct words. Meaning, this song was not being played over speakers, like, at a club, but someone else was singing it. Yeah. This is all him, believe. This is what he theorizes. With his ears. Yeah. Hmm. So, on top of all the deciphered sentences he heard, he heard someone singing booty work in the background. Right, but not like it was the audio of booty work, like the song, but not T Pain. It was like somebody fucking up the words, he said. This is so strange. I know. West believes it was someone attempting to drown out the cries for help by Hedgepath. I just don't get, like, why if if you 
are the person in the middle of committing a murder, you start rapping T-Pain. I don't... Like, I don't think that's... That doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying Wes isn't good at his job. Right. Maybe he's done great things with his eardrums, but... Right. In this situation, you'd really have to convince me. (laughs) Because of the quality of the audio. Yeah. It was really bad. Yeah. So, an image of the suspect generated from a DNA profile we're going to get into right now. Parabon Nano Labs, which is a genetic testing company in Reston, Virginia, released an image of what the suspect may look like based on only the phenotype of the DNA profile. That is fucking insane. Yeah. I am so impressed by DNA technology these days. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard as far as investigation stuff goes. Like, what? Yeah. They were able to build a human based on his DNA. <laughs> that is so crazy. That is the coolest thing. It almost makes me wish that I went into went to that. Like genetics, right? Yeah. yeah. So, for those of you who don't know what a phenotype is, <laughs> it's a set of observable characteristics of an individual resulting from the interaction of the genotype with the environment. For example... Height, eye color, hair color, etc. Yeah. According to the image, the suspect was, quote, very strongly Native American and European mixed ancestry or Latino. That's very broad, I think. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah. But then again. They do narrow it down. Yeah, but then again, if you get a DNA test done, like an ancestry thing. You could have all of those. You have so many percentages in you. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's possible. Yeah, definitely. So genetic markers pointed to Mexican, Colombian, and Iberian ancestry with some other South American and African countries making up the rest. The the suspect would have an olive skin tone, few to no freckles, and black hair. That DNA, pretty you are fucking so fucking cool. Cool that they were able to do that. And we'll post the picture that they came up with and, like, the sliding scale of, like, it was like freckles, definitely none. This is like ninety two percent, you know, um, accurate. And then it was just like a, a breakdown of all of it, and it was just so cool to see. I believe, especially between twenty twenty and now, with how many cases that have been solved by DNA, mm-hmm. DNA should have been sexiest man alive this year. For sorry, real. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. <laughs> I love Paul Rudd, but why? D- like. That whole thing, genetics, all of that, solving cases, needs to be acknowledged in, like, a big, proper way. And you all need to go look up Paul Rudd as the sexiest man alive, because it's the funniest picture I've ever seen. (laughs) He does a real good skin, though. Oh, he does. He got put solely on his skin and his (laughs) personality. And his ability to not age. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, it was a funny picture, though. No, I love that. Paul Rudd's cute. Yeah, yeah. Aw. Um, Aw. <laughs> Sorry, we're stealing the spotlight from you, Paul Rudd, but DNA and genetics... You should win. Way up there. Way higher. Way up there. Yeah. It, they, I don't know. I just think it's so cool. Like, I want them to do a phenotype on my DNA and see if it would look like me, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I bet you they do that to, like, test. Test. They yeah. should. They should. I feel like even... When they do, um, why can't I think of the word right now? Like, sketches? Like, aging. Oh, of, progression. Of missing, yeah, age yeah. progressions of missing people. 
I'm always like, I hope they test that shit out on real people first. They definitely have to. To, like, perfect, like, oh, this is what this may actually look like instead of what we thought. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes I look at pictures of, like, the age progressions and I'm like... Do they really look like that? I don't see it from their baby. Like, from when they were little. I don't see that. I know. You know, and I'm like, how did they come to this conclusion? I really hope that they do... I know. Test that on, like their workers or something. Right? Like, I want to have Parabon Nano Labs. Can you test my um, phenotype to Sponsor see? Sponsor us, Parabon Nano Labs. Please! No. That would be so cool. Like, oh my god, I am so impressed. I am so impressed. Yeah. So now we're on to the arrest, which, if you ask me, and uh, this just makes zero sense to me, but it is what it is. So, on September 16th, 2021, the Chapel Hill Police Department arrests Miguel Salguero Olivares uh, nine years after the murder of Faith. And three months ago. Yeah. And he was 28 years old at this time. He was charged with first-degree murder of Faith Hedgepeth. He was not originally a suspect, but was identified through DNA samples after he was arrested for a drunk driving charge in Wake County. That is insane. Again, DNA coming in clutch. Like, literally, he was arrested for a drunk driving and got put into the system through his DNA and he was found. He probably didn't have a record before that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The police asked the public to bear with them while they sort out the details, quote, this story will take time to completely unfold, said mm-hmm. Chief Blue. I need to hear all of it because... Yeah, same. This doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Salguero Oliveras states that he did not commit this crime. His mother states she believes her son. And his friend says that, quote, the crime doesn't fit the person she knows. Which, I don't know anything about, you know, his family or anything, but... I'm sorry, I'm not saying this man did it or not because it hasn't been 100% proven yet, but yeah. Ted Bundy he had people that were oh, shocked yeah. that knew him very, right. very closely. That's a socio- sociopath. Yeah, and had no idea that he was doing that. Right. Ted Bundy had women friends Yeah, that had no idea that That's he was a doing what he was doing. So I'm not surprised about those statements, but like just the fact that he didn't, he had said he didn't record. do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And had a clear record before all this. Yeah. After the arrest, Faith's family made a statement, quote, Our Faith had a heart of gold and an infectious smile that illuminated a room. Although her time here on earth was short, Faith had an enormous impact on many of our lives. On many. Our lives were forever changed when Faith was taken from us September 7th, 2012. Mm. This case is still active, so right now there are no further details of what is going on. Mm. I can't wait until there are. I need to know. I can't imagine know. how her family feels when, like, I'm feeling this way and I, I didn't even know her. From what I was reading, they are just thankful that, you know, somebody is being charged with this and, you know, his DNA was there. And basically her sister, you know, put out a statement saying, you know, not word for word, but... Basically, she said, I knew it was going to take a while for them mm-hmm. to, like, close this case and find her murderer, but I didn't expect it to be nine years, and, like, it's yeah. been a long nine years. Jeez, that's so sad for them and for Faith. Yeah. But, uh, DNA does not lie, and I don't think that man can explain away his semen and Ever, DNA, yeah. DNA being in her apartment. Right, like, you, you really her. can't plant, D, you can't plant no. semen. No, no. <laughs> 
No. Uh, you can't. I don't understand how he has an argument at all to to not doing this or being right. part of it in some way. Do I think some uh, somebody else was involved? Like, yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. But he had to have been there. There's no way around that. Yeah. Like, his semen was there. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. It's just okay. so crazy. Like, after the whole buildup of everything, it's like, here comes this random person that is all of a sudden charged with her murder, you know? I wonder if... Oh, I wonder if they, like, kept video footage. Mm-hmm. Like, still have video footage on file and can, like, re-watch who entered the apartment that night and see if he's on if tape. they had cameras, yeah. Because they had... Or, like, if there was, like, video footage of, like, the thrill that night, if they could yeah. see if she crossed paths, if he Maybe happened they to be do. there, they crossed paths with him there or something. Maybe they do, and that's what they're waiting for trial to release. Because clearly she, she had to have crossed paths with him somewhere that night where right. he was, like, okay, I, like, he... It's, like, not a random... I feel like it wasn't a random killing. Yeah. Like, I feel like he had to have crossed paths, yeah. And, like, sexual motive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And it's 2012. If they have video footage saved, I wonder if they're, they're going to, like, go back and catch him on film. They definitely have to have a lot. If the if the chief of police that was talking earlier said that they, like, bear with us, we need time to let this story unfold. Uh-huh. Like, they have a shit ton of to evidence, unravel. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a matter of, like, getting him to actually talk or to, like, confirm just what getting, he's not saying. Right, and yeah. getting to trial. Yeah. Wow. I feel so sorry for Faith. Crazy. She had so much of her life ahead of her. And yeah. She had such good aspirations, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible. And her poor family. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add before we end this week's episode? Uh, check out our shirts. Check out our merch. Hopefully I- we'll have some fun things coming for you soon now that it's uh, December and we have couple ideas for the winter plans. Yes. Actually, Carson bought a ringer tee with the skull embroidered on it, and I'm currently wearing it. Yeah, it looks cute as fuck. Yeah, I, like, threw it under a cardigan, and I was like, he hasn't worn it yet, so I will. (laughs) (laughs) Hee hee. Yeah, I am planning on wearing my tank to class Oh, cool. Cool. Which one did you take? I got the... What one did I get? I think you got the skull. The skull. Yeah. yeah. I got the skull. Yeah. I'm wearing that to class oh, tomorrow. Cute. I already planned. I have to... the um, the morning one. Having a morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I couldn't remember which one I got because I was deciding between so many. <laughs> I know. We have to take pictures of them and actually yeah, post them. Yeah. We need to get that figured out. But Ugh. check out the teas. We, we still have mug le- mugs left to... Now that it's cold weather, sip your hot cocoa in. Or buy our coffee. coffee. Yeah, your hot crime colts and coffee coffee in that we've been getting really good feedback from. Yeah. Check that out on carscoffee.com. Uh, you could sip some tea in it with honey. Yes, yes, yes. While Let us know what you think of it. Cozy socks and crime colts and coffee shirts and sweats. Do it. Do it up. And right. as always, check out our resources. Yes, everything is on Facebook for our resources and photos that we talk about. Um, And then we have our Instagram as well, Crime Colts and Coffee. 
that's where usually you have all of our merch. There's an Instagram shop there. You can buy all of our merch there. Um, lots of reminders in our stories about episodes being posted and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. I started now as well. I just started this two weeks ago now. Um, I post the main picture on a day, on Fridays when the case is released, and I post some of the pictures Kelsey puts on Facebook behind it, like, mm. in a scrolly thing. That's a good idea. Yeah, instead of just the highlights tab. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like it. And, uh, as always, leave us a review, please! We need a review on Apple Podcasts! Yes. We need more reviews. We love to see them. We get so excited when we see them. Yeah. Yeah, be I... Be kind. I, please don't yell at us. <laughs> yeah. Just be constructive. Um, I love reading the reviews, even if they were constructive. Like, if somebody has sent something to us that was constructive, I love it. Like, yeah, tell us what to fix. Yeah, we've gotten constructive DMs before, and... We, we try our best to We like it. Adhere. Just don't be fucking rude. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Just be kind. Just be nice. Uh, and, yeah, that's about that's it, it, I think. We'll see you guys next Until week. next week. Bye. Regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.